Welcome to the Next Level Brands podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on the Next Level Brands podcast, brought to you as always by the crew at nextlevelbrands.com. If you have a growing firm in food, beverage, or health and wellness, please check out the services offered from nextlevelbrands.com. Courses, workshops, founder coaching, fractional marketing and sales resources, and a whole lot more. More information available at nextlevelbrands.com. That's next with two X's. Take your brand to the next level with Next Level Brands. I'm Steve Clear, and today we've got an awesome show for you. Literally worth thousands of dollars if you are a CPG founder or a member of a small team. Why do I say that? Because getting brand awareness and then product trial are two essential elements in growing a brand. Buying awareness with advertising can be done, but public relations, publicity, is much better and a cheaper way of doing it. And today we have one of the top PR people in the game with us as our guest. Gloria Chow is a PR mentor and pitch guru who teaches early stage founders how to hack their own PR with her proprietary three-step CPR pitching method. That's one that's helped thousands of bootstrapped small businesses get over a combined 1 billion, that's a B folks, organic views in top tier outlets such as the New York Times, Vogue, Fast Company, Forbes, and more. As a former U.S. diplomat who had never worked in PR before or had and had any industry contracts, Gloria just cold called thousands of newsrooms cracking the code on PR and now helps entrepreneurs to do the same. Welcome to the show, Gloria. Thanks for having me, Steve. Wow. Just so when we get started here a little bit about you know my bold predict thousands of dollars. Okay. The idea is, is that there's a lot of information that we're gonna we're gonna talk about today, going back and forth, tips and hacks and whatever else. Putting it into practice is where you actually get the value from it. And most of the folks in the audience out there, I reasonably assume, cannot go out and hire a big time PR agency to work on their business. So that kind of leaves it to the founder and the team. How did you come about identifying founders and teams as the audience you wanted to work with? Well, to be honest, I applied for probably over a thousand jobs at PR agencies after I, I left the diplomatic service and they wouldn't hire me because they're so stuck in the thinking that you needed to come from an agency experience. And it was this gate that they were keeping very tight. And I very quickly figured out that the system that we've been told for decades of you have to have a, a certain caliber of connections or you had to be a certain caliber of business in order to hold the keys to the media. I realized like that system was made to incentivize companies to keep paying and have a long runway. And that works for some companies, but no one is serving the bootstrapping founder. No one is looking out for them. And I realized like, you know what? If I can crack the code by being a nobody, and I still am a nobody, I don't work in a PR agency, I don't never have, and I probably won't. How can I help other people, right? And so it was through literally picking up the phone, dialing zero, and getting my pitch better and better and better through thousands of rejections that I started to pick up on the patterns. When, like what subject line to use, how to close the email, how to structure the email. And I started to put that into a framework that I now teach called the CPR pitching method. And it works for any industry. And I always say there's no such thing as a newsworthy company because I've written pitches for candles and bath salts and AI software, but there is such a thing as a newsworthy pitch. And that's what I'm going to reveal to you today. Oh, that's awesome. Well, it's really good. So I, I think it was probably summer, maybe early fall of 2021. I actually took your masterclass after after having been connected with you on LinkedIn and and found it incredibly valuable, even with my PR background that I have way, 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 way back going. Because 
it was practical, it was applicable. And I began to think about, wow, how is she pulling this off? And I thought about, okay, we have a new level of accessibility to media because of technology now, right? So, you know, it used to be, you try to look up, you know, who was working the desk at Newsweek for X or whatever. And, and now that stuff is out there. As a matter of fact, that editor may be on LinkedIn, maybe looking at Facebook. I mean, there's all these, these things. So I, I was really excited by that and actually have passed on a lot of, you know, your initial counsel to my clients because they need it. So talk to us a little bit more about CPR. So CPR method stands for the three things you need in your pitch. It works for a pitch for speaking, for awards, for panels, not only just for podcasts and PR. C stands for credibility. P stands for point of view. And R stands for relevance. So that's how we get CPR. Your pitch needs to have all three. And if you watch my masterclass, which is the one that you found me, Steve, it's such a full circle moment because you found me organically and here we are. I say on my masterclass, you know, I, sh- I show you the structure of what that looks like. So C stands for credibility. So I want you to have in your pitch one simple sentence of why you're pitching. A lot of people think they have this really high bar to reach, that they have to be featured, that they have to have an award. It could be as simple as I am a founder or I am a mom and this is the, you know, what my kids like or whatever, whatever it is, right? That's it. I literally want it to be one sentence. And then P stands for point of view. So it usually looks like maybe three bullet points in your short email. Something like, here are the three things I found to really help instead, or here are the ways that this industry niche is changing, or here are three ways to incorporate adaptogenics in your food and seasoning. Like I once wrote a pitch for a hot sauce company that was using adaptogenics, like really cool stuff. So I usually like threes. And the reason why I say point of view is because it's all about positioning you as an expert. If you are selling and you're saying, here are three reasons to buy my stuff, the journalist will be like, thank you kindly. I'll send you to the ads department. You can pay them $5,000 for an ad. So how do we bypass this conversation altogether is by positioning yourself as an expert. And I know for a lot of founders, especially in my community, they don't feel like the expert. They're wearing all the hats. Maybe it's a side hustle, but you need to be able to step into that confidence and have a point of view so that you can not have to pay for that. So it could be, yeah, go ahead. No, it, I was going to say, if, 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 you know, sometimes founders in the sense of growing a small CPG brand or don't give themselves enough credit in terms of what they've actually accomplished. This is a very tough business, food and beverage, health and wellness, supplements, whatever, tough, tough business. And when you've done a certain amount, so I, I was, you know, again, looking at somebody's profile the other day in LinkedIn, and she's a single mom, three kids who's pulled this off and has a, a really nice brand out there. And it's like, I wrote her a note and I said, how did you do it? I, you know, I have all the time in the world, no children, able to spend time on my client stuff with years of experience and other experts coming in. You've managed to do this and raise a family too. That's a story. A story probably some editor would be willing to hear. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that is a great point of view from her perspective, right? And then R for CPR stands for relevance. That's the most important part of your pitch. It tells the journalist this needs to be responded right now, this season, this for a reason, this month. So if you're if you're doing something that's seasonal, right? You're using seasonal ingredients or it's summer and you want it's something about bubbly or lighter drinks, say that in there. Relevance is what's going to get you featured more than anything else. So if it's one thing you really pay attention to is why is it relevant to right now? How have consumer habits or tastes changed in the last six months? Right? Maybe it's maybe it's vegan stuff. Maybe it's adaptogenics, like I said, maybe whatever trends that there are. So definitely pay attention to that. And there you have your CPR. So 
I'm a founder. I'm, I'm wearing all the hats. I've got production. I'm working on a commercial kitchen or I have a co-packer I, I've been working with. First thing you think about is I don't need another thing to do, mm. but this is important. And for most, I think small brands, I would go out on a limb and say it needs to be the founder because they're the person who has the story and, and the quote unquote brand story. They have, they have them both. They're founder story and brand story. How, how do you work with people to basically put that toe in the water and then jump in to actually hack their own PR? So I really think it comes down to two things, like all things in life. One is a mindset part. Are you willing to put yourself out there? Are you willing to press the send button? Because I can help you all day, but if you're not going to press the send button, you're not going to get featured, right? Are you willing to make a mistake, right? I always say in my in my coaching, I want you to get five rejections this week because if you don't have the energy or the tenacity to deal with five rejections, there is no way you are going to compete with these very aggressive PR reps, right? And that's what we're trying to do as founders is we're trying to have the energy of a $20,000 a month agency, but we're like, you know, very, very tiny businesses. So that's the mindset part is, is you knowing that no one knows your voice more than you do. A PR rep is not going to sit there and like, you know, telepathically understand everything about your brand. You're still gonna have to tell them everything, right? So that's the mindset part. The actual part, well, part of it is, you know, we're spending, I don't know, 10 hours a week on average on social media. It's yeah. not searchable. Sure. It might get some followers. We might not know it's the right followers, and the moment Instagram changes its algorithm, all of your stuff gets deleted. It's not searchable. So it's not for longevity. What if you just took one hour of your week and you connected with, let's say, four editors and you took a stab at your CPR pitch? And the next week you took another hour and you started to send that pitch out. Maybe it's getting on a podcast. Maybe it's connecting via LinkedIn. Think about the ROI of the seeds that you're planting versus this like paying you know, into the marketing game and paying Mark Zuckerberg. So right. for me, it's just about using your time smarter and so that you're not working harder, but working smarter. Always important. Yeah. Yeah. Because time is the commodity that we all just can't have enough of. I mean, you know, more money can get you more time in terms of multiplying your efforts. But if you're if you're starting out and again, you have a small team, you may have four or five people, that's still a small team versus a Nabisco or whatever, who has obviously probably several PR agencies in tow working on their stuff all the time. And here's the thing, you can delegate it, right? So no one is saying you have to be pressing the send button, but no one knows your pitch like you do. If you know how to master this one key skill, which is honing your pitch, you will be invited to so many tables. I cannot tell you the strength and the clarity in order to like, I mean, you know this, you're a copywriter of your messaging. And then once you have that, you can delegate it to an assistant or an intern to manage your inbox, right? You can make like an info at or team at or press at, and then just have them send it. But that way you own the relationships and then you can see which emails are being opened. Yep. In, in some ways, in talking to founders where I've tried to say, okay, I, I think PR and practicing some PR would be very good for you. I've likened it to, to buyers in the in the store chains and whatever, which is buyers are all overworked. They don't have a lot of time, but they always need new stuff. And editors are kind of the same way. They're overworked. They don't have a lot of time. They get hundreds of pitches, but they still need that next one, whatever it is. So if you can just be out there, you know, you can do it. I, I've been you know, going through several of the things with, with prepping for today, actually talking, looking at some of the testimonials and stuff from folks all across the board, not just CPG, but all across the board who are, who are doing things. And do you find when somebody gets a little bit of success that that basically just feeds into them and then they get, you know, they get it and they go on and, and multiply the effect? 
it's it's almost like it's it's addicting when a founder realizes, oh my God, I literally cannot you know, translate my information to another person. I know my story more than anyone. Once I get my story right, it's so addicting to just start pitching for a podcast, pitching for speaking. And it's a whole ocean of opportunities, right? Like I had someone on my podcast yesterday, he was a dermatologist and he used my PR starter pack and watched a masterclass. And he's like, you know, I used to think it was just about skin cancer because I'm like a skin cancer dermatologist, but now I'm pitching stuff during Halloween for like how candy ruins your skin, national pet day, how pets. And I'm like, how did you even come up with that? And he's finding opportunities in every season for every reason. And his, he's killing it. He's crushing it. You know, he's, his business is, is doing better than ever. That's, that's awesome. So it, by the way, if people want to get more information, Gloria, about what you do and, and classes and stuff you have going on, where can they go? Yeah, thank you. I totally forgot about that. So if you want to check me out, you can go to GloriaChowPR.com. That's C-H-O-U. And to watch the masterclass that Steve here found me on, you can go to GloriaChowPR.com slash masterclass. You will see exact word by word, like I'm talking screenshot yep. of two pitches that got featured. One got featured on five plus outlets. The other one got featured on other five plus outlets. I'm talking apartment therapy, a lower shape, refinery 29, fast company, word for word. And one of them actually is a CPG adjacent brand. So it would definitely help your audiences. Oh yeah. Would, would be great. So when you're working with folks who are, are maybe founders, maybe team members or whatever else, what, what do you find is like the biggest objection they have to, to moving forward with something that should benefit them so greatly? Honestly, it's not really the money because they see how much PR agencies and ads cost. I think they talk themselves out of it because time. It's so much easier to be scrolling on Instagram and DMing 200 people because it's that like quick fix, right? It's that quick hit of hit of satisfaction. It's much harder to roll up your sleeves and deep dive into your messaging, find your why, and then like have the have the guts to actually pitch it to an editor. But once you get over that, you realize like, oh my God, I wish I could be doing this all along. Because with every pitch that you send, Steve, you get feedback. You 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 get a sense that journalists are humans. They're not these people sitting on these pedestals who are judging you. And then you realize like this whole myth of PR being something that the elite society or the cool kids club have access to, it's completely wrong. It's, it's built against us. And then you, you feel so empowered by the fact that you own your own story and you have a voice that deserves to be heard. It's like, and then you just, it's like I said, it's very addicting. You start, you know, like pitching for podcasts, pitching for speaking, pitching for partnerships, and then your whole mindset about what's possible changes. But it starts with that mindset of, I don't have enough time. And so my question to you is, do you have time to be invisible? (laughs) Do you have time to be unseen? Do you have time to be spending time on a platform that with audiences that you don't own that any second can be hacked? Gone. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. So diplomatic core, probably not bad training actually for PR in a lot of ways, but you did that. You wanted to get into the agency business and and obviously that was not, was, was closed. It wasn't happening, whatever. And the agency businesses, yeah, they, they, there's, there's issues out there with that. But when you, when you decided to work with the group of whether founders or, or just scrappy bootstrapping entrepreneurs, you were also a scrappy bootstrapping entrepreneur. So how did it go when you started? Where did you start? And, and how has that journey been? 
Wow. It's <laughs> if anyone is looking at a career change or taking a risk, like this episode is for you. So I've always had a very nonlinear career before I was in the diplomatic service. I wanted to be a documentary filmmaker. And my mom was like, yeah, right. Good luck. You're going to be on welfare. And I was like, no, I'm not going to be <laughs> homeless or, you know, like with a camera on the side of the street. So she never took me seriously. We can't, we come from an immigrant background. So it was always like, you you need to be financially stable, like doctor, lawyer, all those things. But I always knew the traditional path was not for me. So even though I had a comfortable career as a diplomat, I had a pension, I had 25 years ahead of me that was completely secured for me. I always knew that I just love being creative. I love taking risks. I didn't like the military-esque chain of command. And so I basically left you know, after one tour and gave up my pension and moved home and kind of had, I don't want to say midlife crisis, but killed my ego in a way, going from a very prestigious career to moving back home with my parents Sure, and just started rebuilding my career from there. Right, I was doing little jobs here and there, like social media, messaging, like writing. And then I, I really wanted to, to do PR. So I slowly started to get into PR consulting by cold calling. I had a friend of a friend who was like, Hey, I'm at a startup. We're just two founders and an engineer. Sure. If you can get us on CNBC, we're not going to say no, but we don't have money. So we'll only pay you if you can get us featured. Right? <laughs> no PR. See, that's the thing. Like no PR agency would do that, right? Because they, they want you to sign retainers, but I had no choice. So I started at the bottom. I said, sure. And I literally sat every day with the engineers. I looked at the data. I tried to tease out some interesting angles. And then I had no contacts, like no media list, anything. Literally had to Google the newsroom. And I just started cold calling from there. I started to pick up on what's interesting. I started to just consume the news in vast amounts, tying it to something you know relevant. I would call the CNBC editor and say, hey, this is happening in the markets today. Are you interested in, in having this person speak? And then slowly I, I carved you know a nice little consulting business for myself working with B2B tech companies. And then of course, pandemic happened. So my entire retainer was wiped away and I had $0 coming in. And I was like, you know what? I really want to make something that's a little bit more evergreen. That's not serving quote unquote tech bros. I really wanted to work with women of color. That's me, people who come from you know marginalized backgrounds. So that's how I started to build my little course, right? I started with pitch templates. I started to do 90 minute pitch writing sessions because that's my zone of genius. And then so I started to do that. And then I put everything I learned, recorded all of the best pitch templates, and I put it into a course. So now people can access it. They can see every pitch that I've written for all different industries and access a media database, which is really the two things you need to get featured on your own is you need to know who to contact and what to write. Right. I did. Um, let's talk a little bit about the changes in quote what we what we call media. Okay. So when when I was doing stuff with PR, it was really simple. It was television, radio, and magazines. <laughs> so we had to, and it was, you know, who's covering this, who's covering that. There were, you know, whatever. You had cable, but there there was, you know, it was you were packaging things pretty much for two or three different media, and that was it. You were done. Nowadays with social. You know, it's like, okay, I'm not producing a 30 second commercial. I need to produce a 30 second commercial, a 15, a one, a half one, a TikTok. What, you know, so how do you approach that from looking at founders and saying, okay, this may be the path? You may not want to pitch fast company right now. You may want to pitch. How, how do you sort that all out? I mean, there's so many different levels and tiers, right? So social media is more of a grassroots thing. So that's great for brand building, brand awareness, but it's not going to get you that credibility. It's not going to allow you to charge premium prices. It's not going to allow you to stand out as a brand that is maybe more authoritative than an, another brand. An ad won't be searchable either. The only way to 
establish your leadership as the industry expert or industry leader is through earned media. So earned media, I'm not talking about a pay to play thing. I'm not talking about you paying for a hundred dollars, you know, a little edit, you know, fake editorial on Yahoo finance. I'm talking about that's when you've convinced the New York Times journalist or a food critic that you are the person to give, whether it's a quote or an interview. And that's the hardest, right? If, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But if you can convince yourself of how can I position myself as an industry expert, maybe give some tips and trends using the CPR method. Maybe I did a survey. Maybe I have a prediction. Maybe I have a contrarian point of view. Pitch that as your point of view. Get featured. That's going to be like 10 times more powerful for SEO. You're going to be able to reference that in every pitch deck. You're going to be able to go into investor meetings feeling so much more confident. So it's a different type of messaging. So from the longevity point of view, if you are building your brand for the long game, all successful brands have PR in common, right? A lot of brands have TikTok. Every brand has social media. But if you look at the top brands that really have loyalty and trust, they all are killing it in the PR game. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's part of where that you know where that credibility comes from. How do we establish credibility? Well, we establish it because we saw it in so-and-so or we read about it. Mm-hmm. I hear about it. There's the viral aspect now, which is that's what everybody, you know, I want my thing to go viral. What does that mean? Well, you know, a lot of a lot of people keep reposting it, reprinting it, viewing it, you know, however it goes. But there are so many more outlets. I mean, you know, you're just thinking about, so we're going to go do some video for a client and there are say a family company. So we're going to, you know, we're going to mom, the kids, the grandkids, we're going to talk about this. It's very special, but all of a sudden now outlets, I got, I, I've got to somehow get this for each of the different outlets of which there are tons. So yeah, we can, we have a YouTube channel. Great. We throw it on YouTube, you know, whatever, but I want to do something more with that. There's just, it's, it seems as though there's, you know, you stay tried and true to your, your three elements that you have. Great. You want to do that. But there seems there's opportunities for getting exposure out there are just like crazy. And then what about determining where your audience is? So, you know, I guess if I, if I'm getting ready to do a, a series a round or whatever, should I be aiming my stuff more at financial media or how do you, how do you work through that? I mean, it's kind of like a resume. You want to have a mix of skill sets, right? So of course, if you're going to a trade show, if you're talking to industry partners, it's going to help to be in one of those trade magazines, right? If you're in retail, maybe it's a retail magazine, whatever that is. But is that going to be hitting you know, the, the, at the eyes of your audience? Maybe not, right? So I think you need to check all those buckets, especially if you're raising a lot of companies and investors, they really lean on the confidence of whether or not you have earned media. And so a lot of companies actually come to me when they're doing an announcement for their launch because they want to be cited or, or quoted so that they can take that into investor meetings. So in that case, that's kind of more of the tradi- traditional news. Maybe it's Forbes, maybe it's Business Insider, whatever that is, right? So there's different tiers for different reasons and for different outlets. I really think it's good to have a well-rounded one. So you want to definitely hit up industry news. That's going to allow you to open up a lot of conversations with these people. And then for the investors, maybe more of the top tier news, depending on whether it's tech or finance or business. And then in terms of the mass audience, maybe it's something like a Forbes or a Business Insider or a BuzzFeed or something like that. So I'm a founder. I'm out there. I've been listening to the program. It's nice. It's wonderful. Yeah. You know, da, 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 I know I need whatever. What, how should a person who's a founder or a team member that wants to pursue this, what should they look at next? Should they go visit the website, learn about masterclass or, or what, what's the path to success that you think somebody should take? Well, I have people every day in my LinkedIn messaging me saying that 
just from the free masterclass, they were able to get their stuff on Canadian Vogue and BuzzFeed and Refiner29. So I definitely would encourage you to look at the the masterclass. The CPR method is unique. It's proprietary. I came up with it. You're not going to hear anywhere else. So you can go to gloriachowpr.com slash masterclass. That's C-H-O-U-P-R.com slash masterclass. And I'm in the DMs. They're open. So just, you know, say, hey, Steve, you know, I've been listening to you on Steve's podcast and we can chat. And, you know, and, and Gloria brought up a really good point too, which is a lot of people have a perception of journalists and whatever as people who, you know, maybe are are too hardened, too cynical, whatever. And when in fact, they, they really, most of them are intelligent, inquisitive. Um, you know, that's why they're doing what they're doing. And they are looking for, you know, the next story and a different point of view, but they will give people a break a lot of times where, I mean, just, it's just in the sense of, you know, they hear stuff all the time and they hear stuff like from larger companies, they're inundated, right? So it's the classic PR pitch from whatever the PR company is. And then, and then you can pop up as a founder or as an individual, all of a sudden it's, it's something just a little different can make, you know, make a better time. Yeah, exactly. I've actually spoken to a lot of a lot of journalists and they don't get impressed if you are if someone else is pitching on your behalf, especially for podcasts. And Steve, you know this, you have a podcast, but it's really irksome when someone's like, I am representing so and so. And it's like, well, if you really cared about coming on my show, you would have taken the time to pitch me directly. You know, so I think that's very kind of the old school madman style of like, oh yeah. And I just think in this age, like no one's doing that anymore. They want to hear directly from the founder and hear your perspective. I, I have a, a fellow podcaster friend who, in fact, I told him I was introduced to somebody by a PR person from an agency who a small agency who had approached me. And he said, oh, I don't even I don't even look at anything from a PR agency that they're not interested in. And I said, well, you know, OK, because I used to be in the agency business. I have to give people uh, a little bit of, of, of slack. Right. I said, you know, and it was an introduction to a person that, by the way, was very interesting and whatever. So I don't have a problem with that. But there are, again, some podcasters, some journalists that yeah, I know who will not just, if if you're being shielded or you have a PR person pitching your stuff, it's like, no, you're interested in my magazine, you're interested in my, you know, my, my, my blog or my podcast, you got to do it yourself. And it doesn't, it doesn't hurt for people to learn how to do that because this plays into, you know, the questions you're going to be asked by a journalist are the same ones you're going to be asked by a lot of investors or if you're doing, you know, a pitch somewhere and in, in whatever, you're a lot of these things follow just the same basic. You have to establish credibility. You have to have relevance. You have to move forward. So it's good practice too for that. Yeah, I love. Thanks for validating that. No, it's uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. I think we uh, a, a lot of times when people have products. So CPG, right? You have a product. Sometimes you want the product to be the hero. And, 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 and therefore the founder doesn't necessarily, it's like, you know, if you could just taste this Gloria, you're going to buy it, right? It's, it's that type of thing. It's my mother's brownie mix or whatever it is, but it's that thing of pushing the product first. When in fact, a lot of times the founder's story is just as important as the product. That doesn't mean the product can be bad, but you know, right. The founder's story is there. So it's, yeah, the relationship I had with my mother when she baked these brownies, that kind of thing. And, and I think most people who are in this business and starting out startups, bootstrapping it, they have that passion because that's the only way they started it, you know, get it. So you probably have a story to tell if, you know, you can take the, you can take the time and it doesn't take a lot of time to start. It really doesn't. 
compared to all the other other things we do. What what about talk to us a little bit about some of the CPG people that that you've worked with and and kind of where their products and stuff have gone or where they got an odd hit here or there? Well, I work with a very bootstrapping CPG brand. So I'm I'm talking about they're just barely launching, maybe haven't even gotten to the store. But I did work with a, a few of them who got into Target and Walmart and kind of the major retailers using the yep. CPR method. And I'll give you an example of a pitch I wrote. I worked with a non-alcoholic, like sparkling juice brand. And you know, you would think that the pitch would be very obvious, one about, you know, benefits of not drinking. I always say that's kind of the top layer of an onion, it's a very bland pitch. How can you get into the inner core of the onion, right? Okay. So we looked at some data trends, you know, on a pitch writing session, we use software, we looked at where news was going. And she's told me that there was this movement on social media called sober curious movement, and people were dabbling in the sober curious lifestyle. And so that completely transformed our pitch. And the pitch I ended up writing for her was whether or not the sober curious movement was going to survive a pandemic. So that's a very kind of the inside core of the onion where like the outside, you know, it's very, and, and I wrote another one for a hot sauce brand that was the first to put adaptogenics in hot sauce. Okay. And so the pitch was not about, obviously, you know, again, the top layer of an onion would be like, here are the benefits of adaptogens, you know, all these things. But it was about like, like secret ways that you can like boost your immune system, like in your pantry, right? So things like turmeric or using different things and different products. And we stuffed her product as like one of the three bullet points. So it wasn't like a, here's three reasons why my product works. It's like, here are, are things that you already have, but have you also considered this? So it's kind of like a subtle way to to add the brand in there. You're not leading with it, but you're leading with like the, the relevance of what, what people care about now. People care about immunity. People care about focus, productivity, right? So it's just having someone look at your messaging, thinking about your messaging, maybe from a different lens and not leading with like the sale. And so I really encourage people to peel away the layers of the onion as you're doing this work, because once you're able to do that and see how you have so much more to say than just like the benefits of your product, and you can give a comment about this and you can give a comment about that. And what does this mean? If people like to buy this more, what does it say about our relationships? What does it say about our time? It's like, there's a whole oyster of of, a universe opens for you. So definitely watch the masterclass and, and then, you know, I'm interested to see the feedback from this episode because I think a lot of founders will start to get other ideas about whether it's seasonality or trends or graduation or summer grilling or, or you know, winter, whatever it is. <laughs> right. Is this, is this, yeah. There's all the different ways to play it, but I like, I like the idea of what's inside the onion. So let's mm-hmm. dig, dig, dig a little deeper into that. Going back real quick and, and Gloria did a major pivot, but the pandemic affects on you, your business, but also affecting the industry. How did you see the industry change because of the pandemic? Are you talking about the online course industry or? Yeah, uh, online courses and basically that kind of, I guess, Zoom, we'll call it the, the Zoom environment that, we, that we're all in now. I think I think it, what it did is it really helped speed up the process of the demise of bro marketing, which I really appreciate. I think in the beginning, I, I you know, capitalism tells us to use these like funnels and timers. And I was also like using that too, this, these kind of sales tactics that are very old school that are not really meant to work for a modern audience that crave authenticity and connection. And I think with Zoom and people needing to be more authentic and give more value because we're not in person, the veil has been lifted and and people are more discerning. Like they're not getting stuff because you put a timer on your page. You're not getting stuff because of these coupon codes. They're making decisions by Googling you, knowing your brand, what your values are and whether or not you're aligned. I'll give you a story. I had a friend who's like a crazy biohacker. So he does like the Wim Hof method and he's always like, you know, doing like the bulletproof coffees. 
And he told me that the reason why he stopped buying a certain brand, even though this person was so famous, I'm not going to say his name, but he was also a biohacker. He had this, you know, thing that you drink every day. Right. The reason I bought his book and then I Googled him and he looks so awful. He looks like he did not age well. And he's talking about anti-aging that I was like, this guy is a scam. I am. So he stopped like all of the products, you know, just from like seeing that the guy just like didn't look good. Like he looked like he was like chain smoking. Right. So I just thought it was so funny that he made a decision based off of like, you know, that. And so that just says a lot about people. It's not really just the brand longevity, but the person behind the brand. Yeah. And, 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 and also there's this idea, I, I think with, again, whether it's at Zoom or Google meetings or whatever that we've gone to, that a lot of the industry, although we've gone back to trade shows, thank goodness, we've done a lot of other stuff. We're back to person to person a lot. A lot of that isn't going to change, you know, whether it's buyers or maybe even, you know, journalists or whatever, the efficiencies that we discovered through being forced to do this are, you know, are going to stay a lot of it with us. And the second thing is for founders out there, whatever, which is people say, oh, I'm really not comfortable being on camera and on Zoom or whatever. I said, get comfortable, practice, get used to it. Because when you pitch Walmart, you're probably not going to Bentonville. I'm, I just got news for you. I haven't been to Bentonville in a long time. You are going to be doing it over Zoom. You're going to need to, you know, you're going to need to carry the personality. You're going to need to fit and just practice like anything else. It's it's going to be, you know, me, you may be doing a lot of your investment pitches on Zoom. You're not going to fly to Chicago and, you know, go to a thing and meet with some six or seven people. You're, they're all going to be on little screens. We got to figure out how to, how to do that. Yeah. That's another pitch I wrote for a founder really early on during the pandemic. She haven't even launched her product and she wanted to launch in like a, an interview video platform. Now you might say, why the need? We have FaceTime, we have Zoom, we have Microsoft Office, but you know, she, she wanted to make this app. And so the pitch I wrote for her was three ways to ace your very first virtual interview. Because at that point, you know, the relevance was that the only people who were getting hired was through virtually. And there was an uneven playing field with, you know, the older cohort who are not really used to this yeah. type of networking. Yeah. And then the younger ones. And so she gave three tips, like using the CPR method, which you also saw in the masterclass. And she got on Fast Company. And this was even before she was launched. She was able to use that to pitch herself for a speaking panel alongside the head of people at Zoom and Tesla, the exact billion dollar company she wanted to sell her not yet launched product to. So it's the difference between like being in the crowd of a Bruce Springsteen concert and then being on stage with him, right? And we all want to be on stage. It's pretty awesome. Well, hey, Glory, we, we want we want to make sure everybody gets to gets the masterclass. Give us the website one more time. It's GloriaChowPR.com slash masterclass. And my last name is spelled C-H-O-U-P-R.com slash masterclass. There you go. And, and, and do it. And you can also learn more about CPR method there as well. So what we one of the things we try to do, Glory, is we try to make our guests a little bit uncomfortable for as, as thanks for you know being on the show. For fellow entrepreneurs, we have a segment we call words to grow by and it words to grow by can be, it can be a quote. It can be a single word. It can be a phrase or something that you basically want to pass on to fellow entrepreneurs to help keep them going in their journey. You got something for us? Yeah. One thing that I love is that what Maya Angelou says, she said, people won't remember what you said or did, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Oh, that's, I like that. Yes. I remember that. <laughs> yep. Great, great advice, great counsel. And Gloria, hey, thanks for taking the time to be with us today. I know you're busy and you got a lot of stuff going on. You've been traveling, which is good. We're all traveling again. That's thankful. But appreciate you coming on and sharing some of this stuff with us today. And 
And I hope people will will be in touch with you. And folks, if you have any doubts about publicity and how to do whatever, you contact Gloria, but you can also contact me and I'll tell you because mm-hmm. it's something that's that's got to be done. You're going to grow your brand. Exactly. Thank you, Steve. Hey, and thank you. And thank everyone else for joining us today. Thanks as well to our Next Level Brands crew for production assistance. And we're always grateful for feedback and comments we get from the audience. If you have an idea for a show topic or a special guest you'd like to have us on, please feel free to let us know. I'm Steve Clear. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at next with two X's, levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.